Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. Have you ever had one of those days when something has been on your mind that is so profound that you could not even sleep? This is what's happening to me right now. I told you yesterday that the programs for the next couple of days are going to be heated. I'm going to hit you with some real truths. And it's four o'clock in the morning here. And I am ready to step to the plate. And if you listened to my show before, you know I always said, I'm going to tell you some things that's going to make you mad. And I'm going to tell you some things that are going to make you sad. But above all else, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I know I'm going to get a lot of nasty hate emails, but that's all right. You just keep writing those emails because to me, that means that you are listening to what I am saying. And one thing about truth, it'll go all the way to the marrow in your bones. When they say truth will set you free, that's not no lie. Because if you listen to it intently, it'll be with you all day. And how it affects you is like one drop of water hitting on your forehead every 30 seconds. Now, you might be able to endure this for a day or maybe two days. But believe me, after time, that single drop of water will take on the feeling of a sludge hammer. That's the way truth is. So sit back and listen to it because I am here alone in this darkness and I am going to pull this truth to the light. First of all, I want to say banning the teaching of systemic racism is actually a perfect example of systemic racism. And here's something I doubt that you knew. All the HBCUs in the country are at an all-time enrollment high. I've even heard that Howard University may have to build another dorm. Well, go ahead and build it. I will gladly give you one or two of my dollars to help with it. Because our people are turning back to us to get the truth. They are no longer excited by those large and glitter-filled schools that refuses to teach them anything about their selves. So they're coming back home. And I, for one, am glad to see it happen. Because here's the gist of it, people. The United States is a racist country. And the truth is you can't get around that no kind of way. South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott shocked many people when, in response to President Biden's congressional address, he stated that America is not a racist country. But now he did say that he had experienced the pain of discrimination and noted that I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason to be followed around a store while I'm shopping. And then Kamala Harris seemed to agree with Scott when she said, I don't think America is a racist country. 
And then immediately after she realized that she had stuck her foot in her mouth, she said, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in this country and its existence today. You see, people, we have a tendency to try to make things comfortable for whiteness. And in response to Scott, Soldad O'Brien said, it sounds like a racist country to me. It's almost like saying America is not a racist, but then turning the other cheek and saying it is a racist in subtle terms and that the racist things that have been done to you make it okay. And this confuses a lot of people. And to some supporters, these comments were disappointing. And to others, they were shocked. And then some sociologists say there can be systemic racism without racists. Okay, so here comes truth. When a person critiques America for the racism that is deeply embedded in our social institutions, some feel they are being personally attacked. This is because deep down they realize that they benefit from unearned assets associated with whiteness. Scott, Harris, and Biden recognize this and try to balance these varying perspectives as they worry about voters nationally and in a state like South Carolina. Black stories, black history, and black educators are under attack. Across the nation, right-wing conservatives are fighting to ban critical race theory, CRT, an academic framework exploring racism's role in shaping this country and its policies from the classroom. To date, eight states have passed anti-CRT bills and nearly 20 have introduced legislation that seeks to erase our history, black history, from the public school curriculum. To put it bluntly, they do not want our history and the truth to be told. Because if the truth be told, whiteness will have no longer any race of people to look down upon. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said that systemic racism as a concept is a bunch of horse manure. So not only has Florida made it legal to harm people protesting, but he banned teaching critical race theory in schools. Many white people, particularly white people with lower levels of education and income, realize that whiteness comes with a premium that extends beyond economics to include cultural and social capital. Now, it has been stated that President Lyndon Johnson said, and I quote, if you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. Harris and Scott's comments are puzzling at a broader level as well, considering how much of a collective memory their experiences with racism are. 
Harris reliving her systemic experiences with Bussing and Scott recounting the nearly 20 times he has been pulled over by police, where being elected official potentially made the interaction worse. These stories acknowledge that life is different if you are black, and unfortunately, systemic racism seems to ripple through our social institutions and into our daily social interactions, whether in Congress or at the coffee shop down the street from the Capitol. These type of experiences, racialized cuts and hurdles, have a cumulative effect on health. Research documents has made it clear that middle-class blacks have worse health profiles than working-class whites. They attribute this difference to the daily racialized trauma experienced in predominantly white environments like work and neighborhood settings. Systemically, we know that black people compared to whites are more likely to attend schools with less funding per student less likely to obtain a job because of their black-sounding name or even when attending an Ivory League university, less likely to obtain a home loan even when having the same credit score, have their homes appraised for equitable value, more likely to experience pregnancy complications and maternal mortality, and more likely to have contact with police and the criminal justice system. Systemic racism inhibits rather than prohibits like in the past people's ability to actualize all aspects of the American dream. This even occurs for highly educated black people with high incomes and no criminal record. In fact, research documents that white people with a criminal record are more likely to get called back for a job than black people without one. This means that hard work or the lack thereof, intellect or criminality, do not explain these outcomes. Instead, it is the racism embedded deeply into our social institution policies, rules, regulation, and laws that segment people's experiences along racial lines. And it is the same for gender. Women can achieve, but have a much harder time doing so. If not, America would have had a woman vice president and speaker of the house sitting behind the president long before 2021. And it seems that people do not seem to realize that being upwardly mobile does not negate encountering racist hurdles on the pathway to success. Our current system is set up for some people to have to jump over hurdles to succeed, while others get to simply run to the finish line without those same racial hurdles. It is about whether the pathways to success are equitable. And this is what America says. It is an equitable democracy. But people are pushing for America to reach its true ideals. And the only way this can properly occur is to acknowledge the systemic barriers that prevents us from getting there. And it's not that racial progress has not been made. 
it is the United States has yet to make enough progress. And in this regard, comments of our top elected officials are disappointing yet predictable. Black people who have found success often walk on pins and needles because they realize their success and more so maintaining it is precarious. As a result, some black people aim to make white people feel comfortable. Many of us are mostly socialized to do so. It is often a survival strategy for our lives during police encounters or economic survival in boardrooms. Yes, put your hands on the steering wheel and say yes, sir, and no, sir. Make the police feel better. Some of us who succeed may experience survivor's remorse because we are some of the few to make it. We actually embody the American dream and become the in-person example to people who do not want to admit that systemic racism exists. We may even convince ourselves that racism is more prominent on the individual level than the institutional level. The American dream being achievable for a few does not absolve the system and an imperfect union. Even when some of those successful people try to rationalize systemic racism away. Most of the time, black parents worry about their straight A students traffic encounters with the police more than they do a potential accident. This is because of experiences with racism. When a black couple is about to have a baby and has to think consciously about what hospital to deliver in so they can obtain equitable care, this is racism. When black parents worries about their child attending a prestigious university outside of an urban area, this is often because of the racism they worry about them encountering driving to the school and even once physically on the campus of the school. And even more urban universities are not absolved from racism. My friends, systemic racism is not simply a thing of the past. It is up close and personal in the present. Racism may be no more transparent in an institution with the least representative racial progress like the Senate. There have only been 11 black senators in roughly 232 years. Clearly, the Senate is the exact space we need people with the courage to say the blunt, honest, and truth about our nation's past and present. Only then can we actualize a future where systemic racism does not exist. And it is high time for a truth, reconciliation, and reparative process to commence. This starts with atoning for the enslavement of millions of Africans whose descendants continuously fall systematically behind, 
whether they end up being the lone black Republican senator or a black police officer who might have the power to pull him over. We must have the courage to speak truth to power, and one of the places it starts is in Congress. If not now, then when? Well, my friends, once again, that music tells me that it is time to go. But I told you it was going to get heated in here. So you stay tuned because we're going to turn this microphone red hot in the next couple of days. And you might not want to miss it. But before I go, I will leave you with this message from the late great ABC News anchorman, Max Robinson. And he described the media as a crooked mirror. He said that one of the most difficult parts of his job was reporting negative news stories about the black community that he knew were totally untrue. We're in a war that most black people don't even understand. Until next time, my friends, it's been my honor.